What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Ho, ho, ho! Merry Christmas! This is the AP Laboratory. It's the Game Preview Edition. Thank you guys so much for listening to this show. I hope you are all having a wonderful Christmas week. Uh, happy holidays to everyone out there uh, listening to this show. We are so grateful for you and, and the fact that you listen to this show. And uh, it's it's the game preview edition. We get you ready for the Chiefs' next opponent. It is time to talk about Chiefs-Falcons. And here to help me do that are my dear pals. First, find him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina. Maddie, what are your plans this week, my friend? Same thing as every Christmas, you know? We're going to have some people over. We're going to make some food. We're going to eat some food. Nothing specific because there's no such thing as Christmas food. We're going to drink a lot of eggnog. Wow. Probably a fair amount of adult beverages going into said eggnog. And I will watch some really, really bad college football because the bowl games don't get good until after Christmas. Craig, can you please tell me what I'm doing wrong? No, I can't. That actually sounds pretty glorious to me. Hanging out with the family, eating food, drinking beverages. Like that's that's pretty much what I'm gonna be doing as well. I hope everybody's staying safe. I hope everybody's being smart. And I hope everybody is getting to enjoy the holidays to the best of their ability. We thank you so much for listening to us. You guys are what keep this going. So the fact that we're still going, well, that's on you. <laughs> it is. And I appreciate you if you're if you're driving out. Uh, I think we did this last year. If you're listening to this show on your way to see family, would love to know where you're listening from. Uh, so just tweet at us, tweet at the AP, at the AP Laboratory, tweet to any of us. Uh, we'd love to know, you know, who's listening and where. Uh, it's just kind of always fun to to kind of see where everybody's heading and stuff this year. And I know travel might be a little bit different for some, but if you're out there, we'd love to to hear from you and give you a shout out. We'll we'll retweet it. Uh, okay, let's talk about Chiefs-Falcons, and we start with the offensive side of the ball because that's all that matters these days in the National Football League, let's just be honest. And we start with this. Mahomes got the crap kicked out of him last week against the New Orleans Saints. The priority this week has to be trying to limit the shots that Patrick Mahomes take in a game that if they win, they're the one seed moving forward, Maddie. Yeah, I don't think you need some kind of special detecting device to determine that the Chiefs' offensive line wasn't fantastic against the Saints. It clearly was not. It wasn't 100%, but it also didn't perform well. I think everybody on the offensive line played a subpar game. Eric Fisher was clearly battling through some stuff, so you give him a pass, but everybody else just didn't look up to snuff. They kind of played, you know, something very, very poor coming out of, you know, the bottom end. And so how we need to counter that is going up against the Falcons, they really need to bounce back. The Falcons pass rush, not very good. They have two players that have amassed over 20 pressures on the year. Grady Jarrett, Dante Fowler. After that, their next two guys that produce the most sacks or the most pressures, 
They're off-ball linebackers. They have to blitz to get pressure beyond those two guys, and even those two guys have only been okay to good at rushing the pass this year, not great. This is a good game that you should be able to keep Patrick Mahomes safe, even if you still have the patchwork offensive line. It sounds like Mike Rimmers is going to be able to play, which is good. Maybe that moves Wiley back inside. Maybe Steven Wisniewski stays in there. I'm not sure yet. But you should be able to keep Mahomes a little bit more safe this week, which is good going into a week where you hopefully get to keep him, you know, resting, not on the field. This is the kind of game you want after that New Orleans game. You need to challenge their secondary. You need the pass protection to do it. And they just don't provide a lot of pressure to your quarterback to prevent you from being able to throw the ball downfield. Yeah, this has to look like an absolute cakewalk compared to the last two weeks. They just don't have anybody that is an elite pass rusher. It's Dante Fowler and Grady Jarrett. And those guys are good football players. Don't get me wrong, but they're not guys that are game breakers typically. Like, you don't have a guy like Trey Hendrickson that's going to come out or Cameron Jordan that's going to come out or even Emmanuel Ogba for the Dolphins that's going to come out and just be able to crush a side of the pocket all game long and keep Patrick Mahomes with his eyes in his back of the head. So you are going to be able to set up some of the longer passing plays. You're going to be able to operate a little bit more in structure if you're Patrick Mahomes in the Chiefs offense. That's going to be great because this Falcon secondary is not particularly good either. So giving them time downfield to get open, Patrick Mahomes could have a massive day and it might just be because the Atlanta Falcons can't really rush the passer all that well and the Chiefs are getting a little bit healthier on the offensive line than they were last week. This could be a little bit of a confidence boost for uh, an offensive line that's had their issues these last few few weeks and obviously it's been kind of piecemeal. They're just trying to piece things together and survive up front Uh, but this is an opportunity for them to get some reps in, get some confidence get back and you know get ready for for the big stretch run here for the Chiefs. Hopefully they can keep the shots off of Mahomes. I think that's paramount. You don't want anything stupid to happen right before the playoffs. This literally could be the last time this season that we see Mahomes in the regular season. If the Chiefs take care of business this week, go take care of business, keep everybody healthy, get ready for the playoffs that run through Arrowhead yet again. All right, we got to talk about the running back rotation. Clyde Edwards-Alaire likely out. It sounds like he will probably be out for the duration of the regular season, uh, which is just two games. But uh, looks like they're going to be without Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Expecting Le'Veon Bell to get the majority of the carries, uh, but it's going to be interesting to see what happens behind him. Currently on the roster, there is only four running backs active. It's Le'Veon Bell, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Darwin Thompson, and Daryl Williams. So Darwin Thompson, do we see a little bit more run from Darwin Thompson? Uh, do they do they bring in back Elijah McGuire in some capacity? That'll be fascinating to watch if he gets back up onto the 53-man roster because they did just bring him back uh, to the practice squad. Um, if Darwin Thompson's active, does he have any real discernible role? He kind of got put in the doghouse earlier this year when they gave him a few opportunities early in the season. Going to be fascinating to watch, Matty. I'm guessing Le'Veon Bell's getting some run. So, yeah, I imagine that Le'Veon Bell is going to be your bell cow going forward while Clyde Edwards-Alaire is... hey I'm the pun guy around here, Maddie. I just wanted to gloss over it and keep this professional, and here we are. We, I'm, I'm going to continue. 
So Le'Veon Bell will probably be the guy getting the majority of the carries, the majority of the snaps. But as we've seen, even when Clyde was healthy, the Chiefs didn't shy away from putting Daryl Williams out there in key situations, in all sorts of situations. I expect to see him still get a healthy amount of carries. I would love to see Darwin Thompson, though, get some touches. I think losing Clyde Edwards-Elair, you really do lose a dynamic aspect of this running back room. I understand that he's not the fastest guy, and some fans have asked, like, why do you have this small, unfast running back? But watch him move compared to Bell or compared to Daryl Williams. It's night and day. He clearly has the most juice out of those guys. You completely lose that aspect without him. Darwin Thompson, I think, gives you a somewhat similar skill set. And while he was phased out earlier, some ball control issues, maybe some playbook issues, his role was kind of redundant with the other guys they had around. That's not the case anymore. They need some running back that has the ability to be a little bit dynamic in space, to provide a little bit of a burst, you know, a good acceleration through some holes, maybe out in space in the passing game. Hopefully Darwin can get back on the field going forward because I do think he's a guy that can provide a little bit of what you're going to miss without Clyde. The last time we saw Darwin Thompson was against the Jets in cleanup duty. Before that, he did play a little bit against the Buffalo Bills, but he's mostly been just a special teams guy right now. He's been available when, you know, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Le'Veon Bell and Darrell Williams have been healthy. He has not been able to crack that lineup. Now, Le'Veon Bell has not been trusted with a full workload. Darrell Williams appears to be primarily a second and long, third and long back, a guy that's in there for mostly pass protection. So I'm looking at those first down reps. If Le'Veon Bell gets some bulk reps early and his legs start to wear out, I think Darwin is the guy. I think that's the guy that they'll turn to because I do think that they trust Darrell Williams to be more of that third down guy. So I think that's the running back rotation. I don't know that they're going to give him a whole lot of run unless the Chiefs start to run away with this. Then it's going to be Darwin Thompson time. Like He's going to be the guy to close this out. I think you get a ton of carries at the end of the game if they're up big, but I am curious to see if he mixes in just a little bit like there in the second quarter just to give Le'Veon Bell a little bit of a breather. Yeah, Darwin, Darwin Thompson really is the only guy with some juice. Uh, I mean, I I don't think Le'Veon Bell's look particularly explosive, and obviously we know Daryl Williams, but uh, Darwin Thompson does have a little bit of juice uh, and explosiveness to the hole. So it's going to be interesting to see if he does get back into the mix in some capacity. They've kept him around to this point, so they do like him. Uh, all right. A big question, Maddie, and we're going to turn to Matalytics. Can the Chiefs get Travis Kelsey some major records, some major milestones, Tell us what the what he's got two games left to accomplish, Maddie. Well, he really has one game left to accomplish this because once the Chiefs beat the brakes, and I repeat that, beat the brakes off the Falcons, they will be resting everybody in Week 17. But Travis Kelsey needs 60 yards to break George Kittle's tied in receiving yard record from last season, which Travis Kelsey broke, and then George Kittle came back. He's like, oh, hey, look at me. Cool, I'm cool too. Let me lose the Super Bowl and break your record. Uh, so he needs 60 yards to take back that title for the second time from George Kittle. He also is two receptions short of passing 100 receptions, which would be the second time he's done it in his career. So he'd be the first tight end in the NFL to do that. He needs five catches to break his own record for most receptions in a season from a tight end. So we need Travis Kelsey to have five catches 
for 60 yards, and he will have all of the tight end records stealing him from himself and George Kittle again. And then, you know, he'll have all the records for a tight end. Now, what we really want is 160 yards, so we feel pretty confident that when he does sit out Week 17 after we beat the brakes off of the Falcons, that he will be the only tight end to ever lead the NFL in receiving yards. I don't even want there to be a question. I want DeAndre Hopkins to be shut down. I don't even know who's in third place, but to also be shut down so that Travis Kelsey can get 160 yards, be 155 yards up going into the last week. Nice and safe, because that would be really cool to have the only tight end to ever lead the league in receiving yards. I don't think he cares about that, so it's not going to change what he does in Week 17, but it would be fun as a fan to get that for probably my all-time favorite Chiefs player. I do think that it's in the mix. Like, I don't think that there's any chance that the Falcons are really going to be able to line up and take him away. They just don't have the personnel for it, especially if they've got to bring extra guys against the Blitz. I think Travis Kelsey is going to eat in the middle of the field. I expect volume out of him. I, I'm not joking. When I posted on Twitter, I'm expecting a 7-for-120 type day for Travis Kelsey. A big, big, big day. The Atlanta Falcons have given up the second most yards in the league passing the ball. They are 19th in DVOA. To put that in perspective, the past three teams that the Chiefs have played have all been within the top six. Like That's, that's ludicrous. They've been going up against some really tough defenses, and Patrick Mahomes has been able to come out there, find Travis Kelsey, get lots of yards, and really have to throw and he's been very good doing it. Now you're going to give him time. Travis Kelsey's going to find plenty of room in that Atlanta secondary. And I think they're going to purposefully look at him, try and get him that record. I think Andy, you know, and Travis don't really need, quote unquote, that record. But you can get it in week 16. You bet your ass they're going to do it. renaissance analytics. Oh, that's hard to, harder to spell. Uh, Can you do it? <laughs> not. I'm not gonna do it on the show. I think that's terrible radio. Um, <laughs> yeah, I I really want to see Travis Kelsey get some of these records. I think it's it's such a well deserved. Uh, uh, it would be such a well deserved honor if he's able to get some of these. I mean, frankly, he should be the offensive player of the year. If we're being honest, I mean, he's been outstanding and he's getting better with age. He's winning a little bit differently than he did when he was younger, but still doing some of the same stuff he used to be. He's just such an outstanding route runner, uh, and it's so fun to watch him. It's so cool to see him him and Mahomes' dynamic together, and hopefully that he's rewarded with uh, with some of these honors, and hopefully his yards, his receiving record sticks around for a while. Uh, I hope I you know I don't know George Kittle's got no one throwing to him. It's going to be hard, and he has a hard time staying healthy. So we'll see. All right, players to watch, boys. What you got, Craig? I'm going with Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill is going up against A.J. Terrell, maybe Darquez Denard if he's healthy. He's he's not as he's on the injury report for the Falcons there. Kendall Sheffield, Isaiah Oliver, and the safeties over the top are Keanu Neal and Ricardo Allen. You guys, that's not a good secondary. There's some young players that could grow and be decent players, but none of those are going to be a high-end player, even if they try and put two guys on Tyreek Hill. There's just not a ton of speed in that secondary. Tyreek Hill is going to be able to get loose vertically, 
especially since Mahomes is going to have more time in the pocket this week. I think they're going to dial up a lot of deep passing concepts. I think we're going to see a lot of quick strike over the top stuff for Tyreek Hill. I think that they're going to be able to score on some deep passes. Tyreek Hill is going to rack up a couple touchdowns this week on long passes. So he's my player to watch for this week. If Tyreek Hill is to get deep against this Falcons secondary, their pass protection will have to be there. And to do so, you have to stop Grady Jarrett. First and foremost, Grady Jarrett is the one player you have to slow down. So I don't know who's going to play right guard, whether it's going to be Stefan Wisniewski or Andrew Wiley takes that job back. So I'm not going to pick one of those guys like I'm just going to take a 50-50. No, I'm going to take Nick Allegretti as my guy to watch. I think he had a pretty rough game against the Saints. There's more than one play you can find of him kind of falling down onto the ground, unfortunately, in pass protection or in the run game. It's been a little bit of an issue. His balance isn't the best on the field. You know, he doesn't always keep the best base, but he's been overall effective this year. Can he continue that against the Falcons or will Grady Jarrett, one of the better interior pass rushers in the NFL, be able to give him fits? I do imagine they will try to isolate him on Allegretti as much as possible because he's the guy with the least amount of experience. He's shown the least in the NFL. That's the matchup I'd go after. I'd try to occupy Austin Ryder with some pressures, with a one-tech, even a zero-tech, just a guy playing head up over him, just to get those one-on-ones. How will Allegretti perform? If he can slow down Grady Jarrett, then that gives you a chance to get Travis Kelsey the records and get Tyreek Hill deep. I'm going with Le'Veon Bell, the uh, the guy that's going to likely take the vast majority of the opportunities that Clyde Edwards-Alaire uh, does not, is not capable of taking. Uh, so I think you're going to see a lot of him on first and second down for sure. Um, I think you'll get you know, the, the thing that's kind of a bummer is you saw one of the better rushing performances from Clyde Edwards-Alaire last last week, and then two weeks ago you saw one of the better pass catching performances. Clyde Edwards-Alaire looked real strong the last couple of weeks, and it's a shame that we're not getting to see him. So the, I mean, big shoes to fill, and not nearly as explosive of a player as you saw uh, Le'Veon Bell. I think he's just kind of been uh, you know a little little less juice, but capable of doing all the things that are asked and capable in the pass game. Going to be fascinating to see how this offense looks with Le'Veon Bell getting the lion's share of the role uh, and the opportunities. And uh, I'm I'm kind of excited. This is a big opportunity for Le'Veon Bell uh, as he kind of heads into a you know it's a contract year for him. So you know this is a chance for the Chiefs to get a compensatory pick like we talked about yesterday. So I'm uh, I'm fascinated to see what Le'Veon Bell is up to. All right, we're going to take a break and we'll be back with the defensive side of the ball right after this. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. 
What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Talking defense uh, about your Kansas City Chiefs playing the Atlanta Falcons. And Craig, I think we start with this. The Chiefs got to try to contain a fast Atlanta start. Yeah, I think it's well written now over the past several seasons how the Atlanta Falcons are not particularly great at holding on to leads. 28-3. Yeah, and that's arguably the farthest away of all of their collapses at this point. Like Chiefs fans are complaining about the Chiefs winning single score games. The Atlanta Falcons are constantly coughing up 14 to 20 point leads now how that happens they get out to a fast start they hit guys like julio jones calvin ridley todd Gurley. they kind of get the defense on the back foot early and they're able to put up points on their opening drives and really jump out to a lead playing with a good initial game plan steve spagnolo over the past several weeks has done very well since the Oakland game of coming out and stymieing what the offense does, really shutting them down, forcing some three and outs, holding two field goals when they do get into Chiefs territory, really limiting what the opposition can do. It's mostly been the second and fourth quarters where they've given up stuff. So Spagnolo versus a quick starting Atlanta Falcons offense is a real matchup early here because we know the Chiefs offense is going to score and going to score readily against the defense that frankly is not up to the standards of what they've seen recently if spagnolo can hold that atlanta falcons offense down early this could turn into a boat race by halftime so it's very important for the chiefs to come out firing come out of the gate like they have been lately against a team that has been pretty good as of late of coming out and trying to put points on the board early I think this Falcons offense is incredibly dangerous. I think this is the actual style of offense that poses one of the bigger threats to the Chiefs defense. Because what Matt Ryan and this offense will do, they will force feed the heck out of their star wide receivers. This is something that we've talked about before. Bashad Breeland, Charvarius Ward, they have been very efficient and very effective for the Chiefs this year. But a lot of what you get is teams just aren't willing to throw the ball 15 times at the same cornerback to a wide receiver. That's not the Falcons. They'll give Julio Jones 15 targets in a game. They'll give Calvin Ridley 15 targets in a game. They're not afraid to challenge what appears to be good coverage or tight coverage off the snap over and over again and wait until their excellent players make a play. So this team, I do think, comes out of the gate swinging. They have just about every week for the past month and a half now. I think the Chiefs in this first half will be in a shootout. It's going to be quite aggressive from both sides. It'll be up to this defense to make the big plays, the dynamic plays to kind of turn the tide, and then up to the coaching staff, Steve Spagnuolo, to adjust at halftime and come back out and slow the Falcons down. 
pretty much like every team has over the past month and a half. You just have to weather the storm to start the game, let the Falcons show you everything they have, and they seem pretty easy to adjust to for most defenses. I have no doubt the Chiefs will eventually. You just can't have them score five touchdowns in the first half because you're not ready for them just to force feed the ball to their star players. Yeah, I you I don't think just because the Falcons are four and ten, you can't take this team lightly because they have offensive firepower, and there's no doubt about it. Their their defense is bad, as we've kind of talked about, um, but they do have uh, some offensive potential. They don't always meet it. Like, don't get me wrong; it's not like this team's like you know just setting the world on fire week over week. But what you worry about is the peaks. The peaks of this offense when they're rolling is very very good because of the talent like we just talked we just said at the receiver position so you've got to be mindful of the talent and the ability and the explosiveness of this offense um you know they are totally you know you're, you're they're used to responding to adversity because they've caught a lot of l's and in disastrous fashion uh but you know hopefully you know the chiefs can keep this group at bay uh but you think about it a few weeks ago they dropped 43 on the raiders that's, I mean, this there's there's some offensive potential there. There's there's no doubt about it. You got to be mindful of it. All right, Craig, we're uh, we're worrying a little bit about the running backs out of the backfield. Two way goes in the passing game. Yeah, Atlanta likes to leak their running backs through the a gaps when they're out running routes. It's not just kicking out into the flat. That leads to a lot of two way goes for Todd Gurley and Brian Hill as they release up the gut. Now. That's usually not a big deal for Anthony Hitchens. We, we've seen over the past couple of years, especially under Spagnolo and, and uh, Matt House, that Anthony Hitchens is going to come up. He's going to hit the running back as hard as he can, releasing out of the gap and disrupt that timing. We don't know if Anthony Hitchens is going to be playing this week. We don't know if that's going to be the guy that's on the field that's organizing things, IDing those concepts, and attacking them aggressively. We all know... Ben Neiman is not the most aggressive player. He's going to sit back and wait for some things to come to him. If he's the guy that's going to play, even if he's just in the dime, the way that they release their running backs through the middle of that offensive line on those two-way goes, meaning they could go any direction. It's not just like they're traveling in the flat or trying to run an angle route. They're literally any direction. That's a problem for a tentative linebacker, especially one that's not a particularly great athlete. They, they really kind of chewed up Levante David and Devin White early against the Bucks, And those are fantastic athletes. And those are guys that are really good at covering guys in man. The Chiefs don't have those type of guys. Now, again, like I said, Anthony Hitchens, really good at taking that away, really good at taking that timing away. Ben Neiman is not. So that's a problem. Like That's a situation that I'm looking at on third and longs if Anthony Hitchens can play. If he can't, I'm looking at that all game long because it could be something that's exploited. Like Maddie said, they will throw volume touches to guys. Like they will, they will find that weakness and they will attack it repeatedly until you take it away. If Ben Neiman is the guy on the field, yikes. My thing with this is I would prefer the Falcons to throw the ball to their running backs, so I'm okay with that happening. I mean, 
their running backs, none of them have more than 30 targets on the year, I don't believe, and they're all averaging under seven yards per reception. Now, against you know Ben Neiman, that might turn into like 13 yards or something. But like if that's what I'm getting versus Russell Gage or Hayden Hurst lined up against Neiman, or even at this point in time, Willie Gay, because I don't feel confident he's ready to shut anybody down yet, I'll take that. Like If that's what it takes, I'm okay with it. I do agree with Craig, though. It's those third downs. That's where I'm a little worried because we've seen teams all year long attack the Chiefs linebackers on third down, on fourth down. That's when they go for them because they know it's free yardage. It's just sitting out there to be had as long as your quarterback is capable of throwing the ball to a wide open player. Even if he's not wide open, just throw the ball. If it's not Willie Gay, the linebacker's not going to attempt to make a play. So on third downs, you have to come away with it a reason to either keep that running back in to protect or you have to find a way to cover him or affect the quarterback so he can't get the ball to him. If not, they'll convert third downs at a pretty regular clip. Their third down offense isn't terrible. I think it could be really good against the Chiefs if they don't have a plan to kind of slow down the underneath game to a Gurley or to a Brian Hill, whoever they have playing on third downs. All right, there's something that we are kind of watching here uh, on the AP Laboratory. If we're going to see Calvin Ridley versus the best rookie cornerback in the National Football League, leading all rookies in interceptions, tied with a couple guys, I believe, Legereus Sneed. What you think, Maddie? So, you can drop the rookie. We'll just call Legereus Sneed the best cornerback in the NFL, Santa Jalen Ramsey. But maybe besides ever. that, uh, yeah, Calvin Ridley's kind of become unsurprisingly one of the better slot receivers in the NFL, if not, you know, a top three, four kind of guy. They put him in the slot a ton. They will play him against Legereus Sneed a ton. It looks like the Chiefs have settled in that Sneed is going to play the majority of those nickel reps, which against the Falcons will probably be close to 90%, 95% throughout the whole game. So that's going to be a matchup to watch. The last time that he played you know, a good slot receiver. It was Jerry Judy from Denver. Judy did give him a little bit of trouble. That was probably his worst game in coverage. I don't know if it was all just Judy or if it was just a little bit of getting used to the position. Coming off his best game, going up against one of the biggest challenges he's going to face all year, this is the matchup. This is like the marquee matchup for the entire Chiefs defense. How will Snead do against Calvin Ridley? How will he handle the two-way goes? Can he you know, keep him from getting stretched vertically? Because Calvin Ridley will run the entire route tree from the slot. He's not afraid to go deep. He'll work underneath. This is a big challenge. This is a big step for Legereus Snead. If he has another good game here, it's really time to start opening up and talking about just how excellent he's been, even if he's average. Because, I mean, Calvin Ridley's been one of the 15 most efficient receivers this entire season, and that includes plenty of games with an injured or without Julio Jones. So he's kind of their number one threat right now. He's the guy you have to stop. That will be up to Sneed and the safeties a little bit more. This matchup kind of depends on if the Falcons score 20 or if they score 40. Yeah, I, I'm I'm going to say since LeJarrius Sneed moved to the slot, this is the toughest test that he's had. Jerry Judy is an excellent receiver, but he's a rookie. Calvin Ridley's been in this game long enough. He understands the speed of the game. He plays the speed of the game. Even though Kent hates him because he's an old, he is a phenomenal <laughs> wide receiver that he has paced the Falcons all year long. Even with Julio out, he's been the guy. And he's really taken on that role particularly well. Like Manny said, he does everything from the slot. He runs 
absolutely everything that you can ever ask a slot receiver to run, and he does it ridiculously well. He's got excellent hands. Legereus needs got to ha- got to be in his hip pocket all game long. This is the biggest test on this side of the ball for me. I think that they will rotate some things over the top of like a Julio Jones, try and keep the vertical stuff down if he plays. Same with Hayden Hurst, try and keep that vertical stuff down. But it's going to be Calvin Ridley operating out of the slot. Legereus Need might not get the same help that some of those outside corners will with some split safety looks. So I'm very curious to see how this matchup goes. Like Maddie said, that could be the hinge point. That could be the point where we're seeing a lot of third downs converted where you're seeing a lot of you know momentum swings stuff that happens down the field that keeps the Falcons in this game may come from that specific matchup yeah Legereus Steen might owe me a little bit of money uh if he shuts down Calvin Ridley for my fantasy team all right boys player to watch on the defensive side of the football who you got I am going with Chris Jones center Alex Mack is currently in concussion protocol. We don't know if he will be eligible. We are obviously recording this a little bit early because we love our families and we're not recording this on a holiday. So we don't (laughs) know if he'll go, but on the interior of that offensive line, there is Justin McCray, Chris Lindstrom, and Alex Mack. Chris Jones is better than those guys. Chris Jones can handle the interior of that offensive line and Matt Ryan holds the ball longer than any quarterback the Chiefs have seen in a long time even more than Drew Locke this this is a guy that likes to hold on to the ball likes to try and make things happen likes to try and get things vertical that means that Chris Jones is going to have time to penetrate and time to get to Matt Ryan I think that with the interior offensive line that the Falcons have potentially banged up, potentially shifting around, and the propensity to hold the ball, I think this is a big Chris Jones game. For me, my player to watch would be Legereus Need, but we had an entire topic on him, so I don't know if I should you know, just keep raving about him. So I'll go with another secondary guy, Dan Sorensen. It feels like it's been a couple weeks now since we've really talked about Dan and what he's been able to bring, so this seems like a good game for it. We, we talked about the running backs out of the backfield. That's a lot of times something that Daniel Sorensen has to deal with. But other than that, Hayden Hurst, he's a quality tight end. Like He's been pretty good for the Falcons. He makes some big third down catches. He's a guy to watch in the red zone. Sorensen gets the majority of the tight end coverage responsibilities for this team when it's not Ben Demon. It's Daniel Sorensen. This is the kind of guy that can leak out and make a big play, so it'll be up to Sorensen to stop that. He'll be a guy that's playing a lot more in the box when they're in lighter personnel. If Anthony Hitchens can't play at all, I actually expect to see even more Daniel Sorensen in the box. I think they trust him for some reason as a box linebacker, but they trust Ben Neiman too, so my opinion there doesn't matter. And he's just a guy that I think will be put in different situations to have an impact on this game. I think slowing down Hurst, stopping those running backs will go a long way in adding help to the cornerbacks, Legereus Sneed, Breland, Charvarius Ward, trying to slow down this passing attack of the Falcons. I'm going with Frank Clark. Uh, I thought Frank Clark looked as good as he has in a, a long time. Last week, I think the juice off the edge was a little bit more evident than you've seen. I thought a little bit more power in his hands. He looked like the guy that we've seen have some success late in the season. Hopefully he's shaping in the form. He's building on his way to a great postseason like he did last year. 
Uh, and I, you know, if, if he continues to build off what he did last week, I think you're going to see a really so- strong performance from him. Uh, really looking for that because obviously we, that's what Chiefs fans want to see is they want to see the guy that is making that kind of money. Uh, Frank Clark get off the edge and make some plays for this football team down the stretch. Prediction time, boys. What we got? Man, this Falcon team hasn't played a whole lot of great teams, and they are a four-win team. They're a four-win team because, frankly, they they tend to be undisciplined. They tend to collapse at the first sign of any sort of problem. If they get a lead and you start to mount a comeback, a la Patrick Mahomes, they just fold. So I don't think this will be close. I think Spagnuolo's going to come out. He's going to have an answer for some of the early stuff. And the Chiefs offense is going to be able to move the ball through Kelsey and Tyree Kill easily all game long. I think it's going to turn out into a blowout early. I think we're going to see backups in late. I'm going with the Chiefs 38, Falcons 20, but a lot of those points coming at the end of the game. I actually don't have as much faith that the Chiefs defense will be ready to stop this Falcons offense out of the gate. I think it will be a shootout in the first half. I think you'll get to halftime with a score of something like 28-24. to Just a nice close game. Then in the second half, Chiefs defense makes a couple adjustments. Offense keeps rolling. Chiefs drop a 40 bomb on the Falcons. They end up winning 42-27. I think they do shut them out or shut them down pretty much in the second half. The Chiefs are going to be into this game. I think this game, they you can upsell this as a, hey, you want next week off, go win this game. We know when the Chiefs are motivated, how good they are. I do think you get a motivated Chiefs this week. They're hearing all these people talk about, oh, you only beat the best defense in the NFC by one score. You're not good. They're going to be ready to go. They're going to light the Falcons up. I think the Falcons defense is in a lot of trouble. I just don't know if this defense is ready to stop a pretty high-profile, very aggressive offense for an entire 60 minutes yet. So I got the Chiefs winning 40-27. to 27. See, I kind of think this the Chiefs are going to let them hang around a little bit. I think this is kind of just going to be a game where I don't think the Chiefs ever feel out of control, but I think that the Falcons just kind of hang around. Uh, just kind of that's the nature of a lot of their games this season. I don't think it's just going to be they get up 14 nothing either. I don't think it's going to be the similar to the Saints where they're up 14, here comes the, the Falcons. I think it's going to be more, you know, maybe the Chiefs at one point get out two scores ahead, but... I think, you know, it's going to be relatively tight. And by tight, I mean a one-score game. I think the Chiefs kind of keep seven between them for the majority of the game. And uh, the Chiefs win this 31-24. to They get the one seed, and then we get to talk about Bo Pete Keys and DeAndre Baker a bunch next week. Can't wait. All right, that is going to do it for the game preview edition thank you guys all so much for listening i hope you all had a wonderful christmas i hope you guys have a fantastic new year if you don't hear us hear us before then thank you all so much for listening we'll be back with the ap laboratory post game show on sunday catch you later What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. 
Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.